Hey, it's LTE Pod. I'm your host, Brendan O'Mara. Hey, hey. Samantha Crop is back in the house to talk about her first IMO column. Deals with carbon sequestration. Deals with carbon sequestration. Ugh. Is it already going to be that kind of a podcast? I sure as heck hope not. In case you didn't get your fix last time, more carbon. More carbon. Yay. The word of the month. We'll get to that in a moment. Got letters you want to send? Email to rgletters at registerguard.com. I'll say this. We're under no obligation to print them. I have to clear on the matter, but most get through if you're not a troll. Guest views can be emailed to me on the website. Go find my email. I don't feel like saying it here. Fine, I'll say it. Bomera at registerguard.com. Spelling can be tricky. That's your test. Aim for 700 words. In any case, that's it. We've got about a 90-second intro going right here. Without further ado... Here's my conversation with Sam Crop. Sam, you're back. I'm back. Nice. What inspired your your very first IMO column for the guard? <sighs> well, I have been deep in a lot of conversations lately about forest carbon. I think against the backdrop of climate change, which is becoming the dominant conversation in a lot of in a lot of circles. Um, I think that the conversation about forest carbon has also become really popular. Um, And unfortunately, I've been seeing and hearing a lot of misinformation. Also, just a lot of confusion about what's what. It's a really complex topic. And so it seemed like it was something that both people care about. That's also really relevant in terms of what's happening in the world. And that could use a little bit more clarity, um, clarity around. So what's the the nature of the confusion that you're seeing and what you were trying to accomplish in trying to bring clarity to something that's fairly complicated? Yeah, I think that there's two kind of predominantly two kind of camps that are going on right now. And both both of them are against this backdrop of climate change, which I just talked about. And one camp is looking at forests that are existing old growth forests as existing carbon sequestration solutions and advocates for the protection of those forests as a solution towards combating climate change. And I think the other camp is um, in the same vein of, of acknowledging that climate change is an issue and also acknowledging that we need to be sequestering carbon and that forests are an answer. Those are points of agreement. But the disagreement is around how and which kinds of forests best sequester carbon. And so that second camp um, is uh, using a lot of information, um, I think, in piecemeal and sometimes irresponsible ways to argue that old forests should be cut and clear-cut plantation-style management, also known as working forests or working plantations, are actually the climate solution. And so I think both camps agree on the problem and agree that forests are really at the center of the solution, but there's a there's a disagreement in terms of really what climate-smart forest management should look like. And do you know at what point a, a forest or, or a, let's just say a single tree, like what the, 
you know what at what point it is like a just a carbon devourer and you know <laughs> and so at what point does it hit that threshold where it's like keep the sucker in the ground yeah well so there's a couple different things going on here there's number one a difference between rate of storage or sequestration so how much is being sucked from the atmosphere there's a difference between that and the total amount of carbon stored in the ground and in the trees that's already existing. So old forests are already storing tons of carbon in their trees, in the soil, in fallen logs that are on the ground. That's being stored there. That's much more carbon stored, net storage, than younger forests. And that makes sense simply looking at them. Younger forests have less mass to store that carbon in. Now, the where things get more complicated is that younger forests, and when I say younger, I mean under 200 years old. Mm. So when most people think of younger forests, they're thinking, oh, 40 to 60-year-old. No, younger forests under 200 years old store, they sequester, they suck carbon out of the atmosphere more efficiently per unit acre than older forests. So they're more efficiently sucking carbon but they're still way behind in how much is already stored safely in the soil. And so when we're talking about the values of young forests versus older forests in dealing with carbon in the atmosphere, we have to think about both of those things. That old forests already have so much carbon stored safely and are continuing to sequester carbon efficiently, as efficiently as very, very 40 to 60 year old young forests up until 200 years old. And then they don't stop after 200 years old. They just became, they become slightly less efficient and less efficient. But it doesn't mean that they're no longer sequestering carbon. It doesn't mean that they're emitting carbon. It just means that they're not taking it as fast per unit acre as those younger forests. To what extent is uh, is carbon stored in, in, in the root structure, uh, specifically of older... Uh, of older trees where the root network is, you know, must be, you know, so expansive, you know, below the ground, of course, to support something that's 150 feet tall and 10 feet wide. Mm -hmm. Well, most carbon is stored in the tree itself and definitely some in the root structure and, and significantly some in the soil. And so even after a tree dies and is naturally decomposing, some of that carbon gets emitted into the atmosphere, but some of it gets transferred into stored carbon in the soil. And so that's kind of why we say, a lot, a lot of folks say that tree plantations are simply emissions in waiting, because a lot of those, a lot of those younger trees are just essentially going to be emitted into the, the carbon's going to be emitted into the atmosphere as soon as that logging process happens. So when you log a tree, when you log a stand, on average, 46% of that carbon that is being safely stored in that stand of forest gets immediately released into the atmosphere. So already 46%, almost half of it, is released back into the atmosphere. Um, and then we can talk a little bit more about where the rest of that goes and which part of that is actually stored in logging products. I think that's an important piece of this. But I think this is where the big picture conversation comes in. It's not just about the tree itself. It's about, like you said, the soil. It's about the, the roots. It's about the whole process. Yeah, and the, the argument on the other side, too, is that by harvesting these trees and then the wood products themselves are, are, in, 
are sequestering and are housing some of this stuff. So, you know, that's what that's definitely some of the dialogue you hear on the other side. Is that part of the the 54 percent that you're kind of alluding to, given that the other 46 percent is? Yeah. So it's even more, unfortunately, even more gets lost. And so this is where it becomes really really dishonest to say that we can 100% transfer stored carbon in a forest into stored carbon in wood products, which is something that we're hearing a lot from the industry that, oh, well, clear cutting is a climate solution because we're taking that carbon stored in young trees and just storing it in wood. And obviously it's not that simple. So we've got that 46% released on site, which is in the form of trees that are um, left behind and decomposing in the form of brush that's burned in the wake of a logging project um, and also in the for- in the form of logging residue and all of that stuff that's left behind decomposing. But then more of that carbon is from those wood products is released in the manufacturing process. And so even significantly more is released. And so by the time that a product reaches its endpoint, only a small fraction of the total carbon that was originally in that tree is actually maintained and stored in that product. And the other important piece is that not all products have the same lifespan. And so right now, about 52% of timber products are long-lived wood products. And so long-lived products have a lifespan of 50 to 100 years. And so that's only half, roughly half, of the total wood products even live that long. And the stuff that they're keeping is only a percentage of what was actually in the forest. And so the rest of that is short-lived products. And those are only, you know, paper, pulp, that stuff gets emitted back into the atmosphere within 10 years at the most. And so when we're talking about really safely storing carbon, logging is not doing that. Mm. And how do you go about uh, vetting the the science that that you cite in your writing it, any I, I asked Amanda this the other time for for her because it seems like you can find any science you mm-hmm. want to support whatever you whatever you want like so what how, how do you go about vetting credible periodicals that uh, that don't mislead yeah um, well I think it's most important obviously to look at who the who, what what kinds of peer-reviewed sources are being put out there and who is supporting them who's sponsoring them most of the uh, research that I lean heavily on is vetted or comes out of Oregon State University which is a the leading uh, forestry school in the world among the leading in the world and has um, some really really excellent science coming out about the things that we're talking about forest carbon um, but I think it's also important to look at the data coming out of the Forest Service themselves United States Department of Agriculture all of these institutionalized um, you know unbiased agencies as opposed to quote you know research coming out of really heavily uh, heavily supported by the industry sources or timber industry backed research groups. Um, So a simple way, you know, I think sticking with established vetted uh, universities and um, existing government agencies and looking at things like the Oregon Global Warming uh, Commission report that came out in 2016. Those are, you know, things that I think we can all trust and get behind. Nice. And uh, is there anything else that, uh, that, you, that you have in your notebook you want to you wanna touch upon? Um, I think I would just add that in addition to not being a climate solution, I think the logging industry right now 
as the number one contributor to emissions in the state of Oregon, we need to be thinking seriously about what it would mean to have a just transition in the way that we work in the woods. And I don't think that that needs to mean that we no longer have people working in the woods. We all know that people belong in the woods. Forests can be managed, but forests can be managed sustainably. We need to be you know, transitioning young plantations to old forests and protecting the existing old forests. Um, and there is work in that. And I think that there is a just transition in that that can both support a healthy economy and support a healthy carbon sequestering future. Well, a just transition sounds like a good column fodder right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's next. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming back, Sam. I appreciate it. Thanks.